This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. Workers at a Starbucks cafe in Buffalo, New York, have successfully voted to join a union. The labor victory took place at only one of Starbucks's 9,000 locations nationwide, but is significant in spurring others to obtain similar collective bargaining rights. Several other Starbucks locations in Buffalo have already filed to vote, and some stores in Boston have now announced they plan to organize to join a union. The news comes weeks after the National Labor Relations Board announced that Amazon warehouse workers in Bessemer, Alabama, would get a second chance to vote for a union after an investigation revealed multiple violations by Amazon. Meanwhile, Kellogg's workers, who have been on strike for months, continue their picket after their employer announced it would permanently replace them in retaliation for rejecting a paltry contract offer. My guest is Cedric De Leon, director of the Labor Center and associate professor of sociology at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. He's the author of Crisis When Political Parties Lose the Consent to Rule, The Origins of Right to Work and Party and Society, and co-editor of Building Blocks, How Parties Organize Society. Welcome to the program, Cedric. Thanks, Anali. We've had you on before to talk about your previous books. This time, it feels quite different. We've um, had what people refer to as Striketober in October, where multiple uh, stories of uh, workers going on strike were heard. There's been a mass resignation. The pandemic seems to have changed the dynamic of how workers see themselves. Are you feeling that we are in a moment now where union organizing is perhaps being embraced more so than in the last 50 years. Yes, I do. I mean, I think uh, the great resignation is an important context here because we have 4 million workers essentially uh, quitting their jobs, um, primarily in uh, low wage sectors such as the hospitality industry. Um, and so as a result, workers have um, a stronger bargaining power. Um, it, is a, it is a seller's market, um, as it were. At the same time, we've had really actually, a, since before the pandemic, beginning around 2018, a kind of organizing and strike wave in multiple sectors, primarily um, in, in the public sector and within the private sector, uh, service sector, uh, but also um, in um, in sort of um, uh, diehard uh, union um, uh, industries, uh, such as in heavy manufacturing. Um, and so you have this kind of perfect storm, really, between uh, the great resignation and uh, a stronger bargaining position on the part of workers in general, combined with a wave of organizing and striking on the part of workers uh, which is giving even more workers the inspiration uh, to organize themselves um, and, and seek a union representation. Let's look at some of these stories specifically. The Starbucks story is really interesting. Uh, workers in one Buffalo store organized under a, an affiliate of the SEIU called Workers United. Um, and, you know, these are small numbers we're talking about here. I understand that there were three uh, cafes that attempted to organize. One rejected it. One is victorious and the other one is still in play as votes are being challenged, etc. 
it's one out of 9,000 stores. We're talking about something like a hundred out of hundreds of thousands of workers nationwide. Is it still significant? It is significant. Um, and, and the reason we know that is that the former famous um, CEO of Starbucks, um, Howard Schultz, uh, went to Buffalo uh, to do a captive audience meeting uh, with the workers at these three cafes. The employer knows it and uh, the workers know that establishing a beachhead in one of the largest corporations uh, and a really an iconic brand um, in, uh, in the US uh, hospitality market um, is, uh, is a major accomplishment. Um, and, and we've seen the fruits of it. At the top of the show, you mentioned that all of a sudden we have organizing campaigns in other stores in Buffalo, two in Boston and, and one in Mesa, Arizona. And what, what that shows is that when, when workers, um, you know, get the notion that actually this, this giant boss um, uh, who seemed, uh, you know, just like a colossus um, you know, just a, a year ago uh, can be beaten, when they, when they see that, um, then, um, then they begin to organize. And, and so it is, um, it is a, a, a significant moment. Um, but I would also say that, you know, Starbucks is not isolated from the wider labor movement. This is happening across industries. Um, and so um, it is significant, secondly, because it is part of this larger organizing wave that we were talking about earlier. What's really interesting is that there is seemingly public support for union activity. One of the Starbucks workers, they call themselves baristas, or their company calls them baristas, I should say, um, reported at, at the Buffalo store where the unionizing happened, reported that customers have surged in, have been tipping more generously. The public seems excited about the idea of workers organizing and d doesn't that seem consistent with what has been this wave in recent years of conscious consumerism you know people feel guilty about ordering from amazon they are aware of how poorly workers are treated so to see them unionizing i think is is something that is supported by the public right yes i mean and what we know um is that random uh samples um of uh, of Americans uh, increasingly support uh, unionization. Uh, so um, you know, every single year, um, uh, Americans are asked whether they would uh, choose to uh, have a union or not if given the choice. Um, and ever larger numbers uh, keep saying yes. We 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 want we 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 would we would choose to have a union. And actually, the most recent poll. Uh, suggests that two-thirds of Americans uh, would would have a union if they if they had a choice. So that is consistent with a kind of broad um, sentiment in the public. But then I would say too that you know you know so many kind of successful organizing campaigns are um, are buttressed by uh, community support. Uh, Starbucks is certainly one. Here in New England, uh, we saw uh, a, a large multi-store strike by the United Food and Commercial Workers at Stop and Shop stores, which was broadly supported by the public. And, and that also um, contributed to, to the victory of the workers. So I think you are, you are seeing something there that is, that is real, that is supported by, by, um, by the data, 
And then also the kind of anecdotal evidence on the ground that, as you say, you know, customers are coming in and supporting the people uh, who they see every day. So Starbucks being this iconic brand, um, definitely, you know, is one reason why it's made a lot of news. Let's talk about Amazon, another iconic brand, not just iconic, but also one of the world's largest employers uh, in Europe. Amazon's workers are unionized here in the United States. Bessemer, Alabama became a flashpoint, a potential epicenter of organizing and that unionizing drive failed spectacularly earlier this year. And then the NLRB did an investigation and found that Amazon multiple times violated organizing laws. So how do you view the fact that that union um, attempt, unionizing attempt is now getting a redo? Um, is there potential for success? Because it was quite a blow for those of us watching what was happening in Alabama to see the something like 20% of the workers eligible to vote chose a union. I mean, this is a really uh, big deal. It, it doesn't it doesn't happen every day that um, a, a major organizing drive like this um, gets a, a second chance. Um, and but I think that the reasons why they got the revote are the very same reasons that workers began organizing at the Bessemer plant and are organizing, frankly, across the United States, Amazon. Um, locations throughout um, the country, and that is the issue of surveillance, right? One, one of the major violations that the Labor Board found was that, uh, you know, they, the, the boss uh, conducted uh, polling in the presence of, um, of managers, um, public polling, <laughs> basically asked workers, well, you know, if the, if, the, if the election were held today, would you vote union yes or union no, in the presence of their bosses? Right. I mean, that is clear kind of a violation um, and really makes it very hard for workers to um, to to vote their conscience. Likewise, they put a, a post a, a post office box uh, right in front of the uh, of the facility and said that said that workers could drop off their ballots there. Um, well, of course, you know, on an everyday basis, they are monitored and surveilled to make sure that every single second, that, uh, you know, of their time is consumed with work um, at, the, um, at, at the facility. And so, you know, workers naturally thought that, well, they were being watched. And that certainly uh, would, um, uh, would uh, you know, pervert the vote. Um, so and I understand that the NLRB specifically said that Amazon couldn't put a mailbox there, uh, but they did it right. anyway. They did it anyway. I mean, that's yeah. brazen. Yeah, no, absolutely brazen. Um, so, so I, I think uh, so. As far as the, the the question of you know what the what the chances are there, I mean, um, through you know various organizations that I, organizations that I am a part of, I've been in conversation um, with the president of the of the national union and with rank and file workers uh, at the Bessemer plant. Um, and you know even after uh, the vote, the the, the union. Um, has continued to uh, to organize, uh, has never let up, um, and has basically been, been been acting like this campaign is ongoing. And I think that it's that kind of um, commitment uh, and boots on the ground that's going to get it done on this uh, second try.
What was also remarkable was to see how just days ago in the worst tornadoes that Kentucky has experienced in a very long time, you had Amazon workers there die on the job because they were basically forced to work during you know what Amazon considers its busy holiday season. There was another factory not related to Amazon, a candle-making factory that also had workers die because the company refused to let them go home, um, which again just illustrates the power that employers have over workers, right? A power that could be countered most directly by union organizing and by being part of a union, right? Yeah, no, that that that's absolutely right, and um, and it it really um, uh, calls to mind for me the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory fire uh, of 1911, in which um, over a hundred uh, women and girls were essentially burned alive uh, in in a in a factory with you know dozens of uh, of safety violations. They had locked the doors. There was no way for anybody to leave. Uh, in the midst of this conflagration, and likewise too, I mean the candle factory that that you mentioned. I mean this is this is the situation of workers um, through throughout the country. To say nothing of essential workers who had to go back to work in the midst of this pandemic, putting their livelihoods and their lives on the line uh, to serve us in hospitals, in grocery stores, and so forth. I mean, you know, in general. Uh, the conditions of working people in this country are unsafe and hazardous, and it's intensified even further in the midst of natural disasters and, of course, biomedical disasters such as the pandemic. Cedric, what does the strike by Kellogg's workers illustrate? This is a company, this is a uh, group of employees that are unionized. About 1,400 workers working for Kellogg's, the cereal manufacturer, the iconic manufacturer. Uh, they've been on strike at four cereal plants since October 5th. They were made an offer with a paltry 3% raise. They turned it down, and now Kellogg's is basically moving to permanently replace them. Does that sort of story, you think, scare off potentially people who might be thinking of joining unions? On the contrary, I think it's that kind of spirit, right, of standing up to the boss. And this is not this is not the this is not necessarily the leadership, right? Let's let's be clear that that um, you know the 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 union and the employer reached a tentative agreement. But when when the union leadership sent the contract to the rank and file membership of the union, they rejected it overwhelmingly right and 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 what that tells me is that workers are not in the mood for a concessionary contract hmm. they want to fight they know what they're owed they know what they're worth and they're willing to strike for it um and i think that you know i, I think that workers have been waiting for this moment uh, all across this country and the world um to see an example of people who are willing to stand up and fight for what they believe in. And in this case, you know, the, 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 the main issue is not the, the, the paltry raise, though it is paltry, you're right about that. The main issue here is the two-tier wage system. Right. What the boss, right? What the boss has done is basically created two tiers of workers within 
to Kellogg's plans. There are people who essentially work for temporary um, uh, worker wages, and this, and there are people who are at the so-called veteran tier, um, who earn the higher, uh, you know, legacy union wage of roughly about thirty dollars an hour, and the membership basically, um, you know, said they don't want the two-tier system anymore. Um, and you know, the 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 key concession that the that the union made in that contract fight to the employer was to lift the cap on the percentage of people who could be hired at the lower wage. Um, you know, the union got a little bit uh, out of that, uh, but not to get into the weeds, when that just that idea, right, of lifting the cap on the percentage of workers who could be paid the lesser wage, that is an existential threat to the standards that the workers have fought for for decades at this point. And they said, absolutely not. Uh, that thing needs to go, and we're out on strike. Um, and so I would say, you know, in, in, in answer to your original question, when workers see that, I don't think they get discouraged. I don't think they get stared off. They say, damn straight, that's exactly what I would do. What's amazing, again, going back to the fact that there's this public support, it was amazing to see that when Kellogg's then tried to hire replacement workers, you had uh, users on Reddit and TikTok flood those applications with fake um, applications and essentially shut it down. Um, you know, also, there's been a lot of internet memes uh, undermining Kellogg's, people calling for a boycott of Kellogg's over this. And so there does seem to be, and I'm sure that's quite heartening to workers on the picket line, right? Knowing that the public supports them. Yes, absolutely. And I think that, you know, every, um, every successful organizing campaign or strike has to be anchored in a coalition with the general public, right? Without that, without being able to control the narrative and, you know, um, and, and cultivate the support of, of regular folks um, who are witnesses to this, uh, this struggle, you know, um, strikes and organizing drives fall flat. And I think it goes to the earlier point that you made, Sonali, about, um, you know, customers uh, at, at Starbucks in Buffalo uh, tipping up the workers uh, uh, more um, you know, public officials like President Biden weighing in on the Kellogg's replacement worker uh, controversy and on the um, on the Amazon campaign. There's a kind of level of public consciousness um, and trade unionism that you know that I I really haven't seen in a generation. So I'm very excited uh, and hopeful um, that we are really living through a historical conjuncture. There may be public support, but um, I'm wondering if you think, because I'm always interested in how mainstream media covers stories, I'm wondering what you think of media coverage of the um, of what's happening. I, I saw this one particular headline in the New York Times about the Kellogg story, and the headline read, Kellogg workers prolong strike by rejecting contract proposal. The framing of that was so horrifying to me, put the onus on the workers as if it was their fault, that they're the ones prolonging the strike rather than the employer who isn't meeting their demands. Right, well, I, I, think, I think you're pointing Sonali to, um, 
you know, the position of the labor movement in the in the Democratic Party, right? Because the mainstream Democratic Party is quite happy to get labor support when they're phone banking and knocking on doors and um, and so forth. But when the rubber hits the road, um, and we call upon, you know, uh, on on big business uh, folks who are part of the Democratic co coalition to support uh, labor, you see exactly uh, what what you suggest about the New York Times headline. Uh, I don't see the New York Times uh, as uh, as, a, as a special friend of labor. <laughs> that would be uh, that that would be a stretch. Um, uh, so you know, it's really to you know, to um, the progressive press and journalists, folks like yourself, folks like Labor Notes um, and Democracy Now, who step up and 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 tell it like it is. Um, and um, and and we need we need you, Sonali, uh, more than ever. Well, thank you so much for that word of confidence, Cedric. Um, and I hope to have you back on again as we see how things play out. It's definitely an exciting time for labor journalism and labor activism in general. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sonali. My guest has been Cedric De Leon, director of the Labor Center and associate professor of sociology at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. And we've been talking about increasing union activity. I'm Sonali Kohatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website at risingupatsonali.com by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at RU with Sonali.